it's time. Good morning, all those people. <sighs> all those loud people on the west side over there. Jeez. Uh, hi, I'm Ryan. This is Elena. This is Matthew, uh, if you don't know us. Um, Elena is guest. I mean, most of you know who she is. She She was with us, her and her husband, and then they became traders and moved back to Portland. Um, but they might move back, so we'll see. So we're giving, giving her another chance. So we'll, uh, Thank you. You're so generous. Uh, so we'll see. So Jesus, I just pray this morning, uh, second chances for Elena. That, <laughs> but uh, um, I just ask that your spirit would be here and as we worship together and even through the sermon and any sort of um, ministry that happens, we just ask that it would be full of you, God. I pray that... <sighs> The reason we, we show up is for you, for each other, but but you, you hold us all together. And so I just pray, Holy Spirit, you move how you want this morning. Help us to be sensitive to that and um, and be open to that, God. I pray that maybe there's people here that um, have never had that feeling of you like speaking directly to them or, or hearing your voice, you know, and I just pray that that, that happens today. God, I pray that um, if we feel, feel something that just seems right and good and it's you, I just pray that um, we'd be open. Um, move, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
thank you that you are holy. Thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Jesus. And would you meet us just in a special place this morning? Father God, you're welcome. Sorry, we're Sorry, last minute change. <laughs> Let me start. <laughs> this is rough for everybody here. All right. It's going to be fun. Just going to be fun. I'm on a base. I shouldn't be on a base. All right, here we go. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you make something beautiful out of me. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I give it all to you, God, trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain 
I will climb, I climb, I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb. I will climb. There's nothing I hold on to. 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 I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I give it all to you, God. Trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I give it all to you, God. Trusting that you'll make something beautiful out of me. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb. I will climb. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb this mountain with my hands wide open. I will climb. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. I lean not on my own understanding. My life is in the hands of the maker of heaven. Yeah, that's um, I don't know something I keep coming back to. My hope, my my desperate prayer that you make something good and beautiful and like worthwhile out of me. I imagine most of us can relate, God. Um, but we we trust God. We know that you complete a good work in us, and so keep making us more like you, God. Keep shaping us using. Uh, using whatever, whatever is there, God. I know, I know, I trust, I see how you, how you shape us, God. So open hands, God, your will be done. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. amen.
Good morning. Oh, that sounded kind of tired. Let's try it again. Good morning. morning. There you are. So um, we are continuing our study in the book of John um, this morning, and we're going to be talking about the crucifixion. But you know, as I was kind of working through this, um, this season of Lent and you know, just trying to wrestle with how I was going to approach this this morning. Um, and maybe just preface this by saying, talking about the crucifixion for me is a really hard thing. It's something that I struggle with, the reality of it, the things that occurred, um, kind of break my heart every time I tell the story. So we'll just do the best we can. <laughs> But as I was thinking through this, I was kind of remembering what this was like a year ago. You know, this whole pandemic thing was really starting to take shape as the shutdown was occurring and people were grappling with the idea of having to stay home, not being able to go to work, the kids not being able to go to school, everything was changing. And how are we going to handle church when we couldn't be here together, when we couldn't have community? And while we're talking about community, what's that look like when nobody's allowed to get together anymore? And, you know, we thought, well, okay, we can toughen up and get through a few weeks. Right? Surely this will be over by Easter. And then we were saying, surely it'll be over by summer. <laughs> and we kept having that, that hope, right? But it just kept taking longer and longer and longer, right? And here we are a year later, and the statistics are far worse than any of us imagined back then. The, uh, the season that we've gone through in this past year has really been, has really been a difficult one. Um, even, even with kids not being able to go to school and what their socialization ramifications have turned out to be over this time, it's been hard on the whole family, right? Perhaps... It's in this kind of urgent context that talking about the crucifixion and the hope that comes from the cross has an opportunity to take on a whole new light. So um, let's pray. Father God, I pray for each and every individual here, Lord God, that each of us would hear exactly what you have in store for us, Lord God, that we wouldn't miss a single thing. Lord God, I pray that you would help me to sort out uh, all of the things in my head and separate the wheat from the chaff and really be able to say what you want to say here this morning, Lord God. So I pray that gifting in Jesus' precious name. So we're in John chapter 19. 
And we're going to start with verse 16. But so you know, um, the crucifixion is mentioned in all four Gospels. It's also talked about in Psalm 22 and Isaiah uh, 53, a little bit in 52. We're going to talk about a few of those things and kind of meld them in in the course of our talk this morning. Um, but our primary uh, proof text will be uh, uh, John 19. So in Matthew and Mark, it talks about an entire battalion of soldiers being uh, put in charge of Jesus as the decision was made that he was going to be crucified. The soldiers did go through this process of stripping him and scourging him and mocking him relentlessly, hitting him with a reed and putting a crown of thorn on his head. You know, I can't, in this setting, I can't really talk about this. But this was a very difficult scene. I, I hope I'm conveying that well enough. This was a really brutal, difficult scene. And beginning in verse 16. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. Um, and um, so they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called uh, the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Um, there they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. The Gospel of Mark tells us it was about the third hour uh, when he was crucified. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. And it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. So the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, uh, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Uh, Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. Also uh, his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in uh, one piece from the top to the bottom. So they... <laughs> I'm operating two different things at the same time here, so I'm trying to get used to that. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots to see whose it shall be. Uh, for this was to fulfill the scripture which says, they divided my garments among them and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. In Matthew, it talks about um, those passing by Jesus and looking up at him and just wagging their heads. And they were saying, he would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Are you the son of God? Come down from the cross. Things like this were being said to mock him. 
Begin in verse 25. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to be his own, or to his uh, own home. In Matthew, it says that uh, the sixth hour, there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. It was about the ninth hour that Jesus said to my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And his prayer uh, continued in Psalm 22 to say, why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. It is our Father. Um, in, in you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They sway their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. But you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from birth and from my mother's womb. You have been my God. Be not far off, uh, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouth at me. Like a ravening and roaring lion, I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. After this, 
Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In the moment of his death, the entire earth shook. And the veil that was in the temple between the holy place and the holy of holies was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, most of us have heard the story about how the temple was constructed, um, uh, about you know, the outer room and then the holy place, and then that veil separating that from the holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat was situated. And you might remember that the high priest could only enter in through that holy place or through that veil once per year for the forgiveness of sins. And this had to be done precisely. It had to be done exactly in accordance with the law. And there was some vulnerability to the high priest if he did it wrong. So it was crucial that this was done well. It was all part of the Jewish law. But in the moment that Jesus died, that heavy veil was torn from top to bottom. It was cut in half. The thing that separated the outer place from the Holy of Holies. Imagine this, that the access to God in that Ark of the Covenant, in the um, um, mercy seat, there was suddenly access to God for everyone the moment that happened. It's amazing to me that the place Jesus chose to meet us is the very place where he was denied justice, freedom, truth, and power. These are the issues at stake, aren't they? These are the things that really matter in life, aren't they? He chose to come to that place of our brokenness. So think of it this way, justice, love, freedom, truth, power, okay? With justice, and remember, the very foundation of the seat of God is justice and righteousness, right? Justice, Pilate, he prided himself with being a just magistrate. He um, convicted Jesus, though, even when he knew he was completely innocent. Love. Jesus had just spent all this time feeding the people along the countryside and teaching them lovingly and healing them one after the other. And even in the night before, he was with his disciples. He washed their feet. He dined with them. He called them friends. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him three times. And the rest, 
they just ran away when he needed them the most. Freedom? This is the creator of the universe. This is mighty God. And we bound him and tortured him. Truth? We really want to talk about truth? <laughs> In this day and age, truth is a hard subject. But Pilate sneered at the idea of truth. He said, truth? What truth? We are the empire. We make our own truth. Power? Pilate boasts that he has the power to make Jesus either be released or be killed. But did he really have that power? Jesus comes not where these things have been firmly established and put in place. He comes, rather, when these things have entirely collapsed. This is our place, our broken world. In our real history, we find a God doing what no other proclaimed God over all the course of time has ever done, coming to a place of human failure and brokenness to meet us right where we are. N.T. Wright uh, said this, the gospel story is the story of the God who doesn't stay above the pain and the sorrow of the world. His intention from all eternity to come and live in his own world with his human creatures was gloriously and shockingly fulfilled when he came to the place of pain and sorrow, of justice denied, power corrupted, truth sneered at, and love trampled on. Our place. Most Western forms of Christianity, whether Catholic or Protestant, uh, conservative or liberal churches, all the same, all seem to have this ultimate aim, this idea that Christians go to heaven when they die. Isn't that the idea? God is in this, this, um, this place above. And when we die, we want to go and be with God in this glorious, wonderful place where this, where this place is made for us. But the message of Scripture is that God longs to come and make his home with his people. He longs to make his home with us. The final scene of the Bible is not the picture of saved souls going up into heaven, but rather of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth so that the dwelling of God is with humans. He abides in us as we abide in him. I want to just talk really briefly about this uh, paper I've just spent the last couple of months on because there's a piece of it that has some relevance in what we're talking about this morning. I studied the history of this church, um, where it started, how it started, 
And even before this building, there was another smaller building that was actually moved from where Union Gap is now, uh, up close by here. And so the history that I looked at covered the whole thing. And you know what I found out? <laughs> there was an amazing, amazing amount of darkness. <laughs> there was an amazing amount of hurt and pain in, in the course of the history of this church being built and coming to this place. How many of you knew, for example, that there was a three-year war between the U.S. Army and the Yakima Nation? That it was called the Yakima War, but it spread as far as uh, Spokane, Seattle, down to Vancouver, down into Oregon and beyond, and many people lost their life. It was a three-year war. The U.S. Army built Fort Simcoe near White Swan to engage in this, in this thing. Years later, this church, the First Christian Church, um, was instrumental in setting up a Christian mission exactly where that fort was. And years of wonderful things happened. We'll get into a couple of those in a little bit. Uh, but just the sadness of that war with these people is just is, is mind-numbing to me. Then we, you know, World War I happened. And if a world war couldn't possibly be bad enough, a pandemic uh, occurred. The Spanish flu in the third year. And in the third year, as many people died from that flu locally as from the World War. When Japanese immigrant farmers came to town, they came in, in a large number. There was um, a federal law that was created, and frankly, it was created because this was occurring, um, that um, people from other countries couldn't buy land um, in, this, in this setting. But the Yakima Nation um, felt that because they had the sovereign right to their land, that they could sell it that they could sell their land. But this created an uproar. And in one of the saddest truths um, in all of the research that I did, the Ku Klux Klan came into town in 200, I mean, in 1923. One of the rallies was actually scheduled to be in this building, but the board of this church, the First Christian Church, stopped it at the last minute. And that rally took place at the Capitol Theater instead, and 2,000 people attended that rally. Sadly, just a few months later, the largest rally took place at um, the J.B. Vance Farm, just outside of Autanum. 50,000 people attended that rally. 
That was more than twice the population of Yakima City, the city of Yakima at that time. Now, uh, the Klan, they, they didn't last that long, just a few years, and eventually the idea melted away, and, and we didn't see them anymore. But this other group called the Silver Shirts, which was another extremist team of people, they emerged in their place. And this caused a lot of additional difficulties in town to the extent, well, maybe I should preface this by saying, and oh, by the way, the county sheriff was a silver shirt. A couple of the police chiefs were silver shirts. Several elected officials were, right? This was white supremacy in a very deep, dark context all going on in this general area. And um, they were responsible for violently attacking families, people of color, and forcing them out of town. Um, and this happened at a very high level. Then World War II came around, and 1,017 Japanese Americans were forced, ultimately, after all that fighting, to give up their homes and businesses in Yakima County and were transferred to Heart Mountain Relocation Center in Wyoming. And then, you know, other things occurred. There was the Korean War, the Vietnam War lasted 20 years, the assassination of a president, the murder of his brother, and Martin Luther King and others, <laughs> the eruption of a mountain. <laughs> there were a lot of things in the history surrounding this church where there was just, we were filled with dark, difficult times. But if you dissect each of the things that occurred, you get to see how God came into the restoration process, how God came into the reconciliation process. You know, we spoke about the, um, the Yakima Christian mission. There's, uh, uh, there was a church, there is still a church, it's a log church that came out of that. And it has had one of the most beautifully diverse churches I think we have in the whole area where whites and blacks and, and Hispanics and you know, uh, Asians and, and we're, we're all in one place celebrating our diversity and loving God as one family. And I, I just think, wow, God. Wow, God. <laughs> Thank you for that, right? So throughout the course of history, we see God in this restorative context. God meets us in these places over and over and over again. And we live in this victory that's now and not yet, all at the same time, right? Jesus has already overcome all enemies and is already Lord of all, yet the disciples were celebrating Jesus' lordship in prison, in exile, being beaten up, uh, facing persecution, hardship, and even death. Um, 
The paradox is sometimes hard to understand, especially when we're in the thick of things. But he's coming again. He's coming again. Uh, okay. Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 reads, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. The cross, by the cross, I should say, by the cross, death is defeated. By the cross, death is defeated. He has risen. Praise God. Dusty's going to talk about this a lot more in the next coming week. Um, can I ask the worship team to come up? God the Creator will work with us and through us by His Spirit to implement the victory of Jesus, the victory of the cross through our own creative, prayerful, and probably painful work in words. Uh, the Spirit is given so that we can confront the powers of the world, as Jesus did, and call them to account. And the powers aren't going to like it. <laughs> but there's victory. Victory is assured.
Father God, we just want to lift Philip right now, Lord God. Lord, um, we we know about the limitless, the limitless um, ability of your mighty, strong right arm to reach out, Lord God, and to pronounce healing. So, Lord God, we ask for that strong, mighty right arm. Lord, we just ask you to care with you right now, Lord God. We pray that in Jesus' precious name, Lord God. Lord, bless the doctors that will be working on him tomorrow. Bless the procedure. Lord, we just trust you in your hands. In Jesus' name. As we were talking about the crucifixion, about the dark times that we have gone in historically. I also wanted to recognize the fact that there are those here now that have gone through their own dark times, that they've gone through their own really difficult situations, hurt, pain, illness, themselves, or other loved ones around them. So we wanted to give you an opportunity to have prayer. So we'll have a couple of us uh, up here. Dusty, maybe I can ask you to come down and, uh, and Bob. And, and you know, if, if we can pray for you, we'd really like to do that this morning. Please don't miss that opportunity. God is here. I really believe that he will meet you right here. So we invite you to do that. And that's the our service. I just pray you be blessed this day. Be blessed. Jesus name We're still gonna do one song if you want to stick around, but bless you guys if you need to go.
Here I am restored When you call I won't refuse Each day again I'll choose
Oh